If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is where we're going to be at this morning. Earlier this year, I had the privilege of attending a conference that Lifeway invited me to uh, out in Asheville, North Carolina, at Ridgecrest Conference Center on disciple making. And I stayed there at the conference center, and uh, I was getting up one morning and went to the bathroom to shave. And, and uh, we don't have these type of lights in our bathroom, but they had lights right above the mirror, you know, the kind that shine downwards. And they were bright. And so you saw anything and everything on your face there was to see. And when I was sitting there shaving, I noticed, you know, uh, I'm a little bit more gray than I used to be. Uh, I have a little bit more wrinkles than I used to have. And, and you see all the dimples, all the imperfections and things like that. And I got to thinking, you know, it's no wonder that so many people, when they take a selfie or have a picture, they use these filters to make themselves look better, don't they? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen, I know it's none of you. But you've seen some of those people, you haven't you? You know, you, you look at their Facebook profile and you think, wow, that person looks good. They lost about 50 pounds. And then you see them in life and say, that picture is a lie. You know, and, and we do that, don't we? We want to change who we are and make ourselves look better and change our appearance and, and, and kind of change our identity a little bit with these filters and all these sort of things. You know, years ago, we couldn't do that. It took a, an artist and a magazine to do some airbrushing of those models. But now with a simple cell phone, you can add to your appearance, take away from your appearance, change all those imperfections. You know, a lot of people are doing that today, but, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, of what I believe is a crisis that we're having in our nation. And that is an identity crisis. People don't know who they are anymore. I mean, let's just be honest. You have boys that are born as boys and they want to be classified as girls. You have girls that God created them to be a girl and they want to be classified as boys. We have this gender crisis going on. We have people that want to identify themselves as a, as a younger age, a different age. You know, you have teenagers that want to be adults and want to be over 21. And you have adults that want to be young again. You know, they're in their 50s and they say they're in their 40s. Or they're in their 70s and they say they're in their 50s and things like that. And then you have people that just do weird things and, and they identify themselves as something that just doesn't make sense. They, they identify themselves as an animal. Or I saw this commercial, sometimes I watch that show Mountain Men, about these guys that live in mountains and they live off the land. And there's one guy that lives out in the western part of North Carolina. And I got to tell you, he's a little off. Uh, you, you seen the show Eustace? You know, the, the commercial is that, you know, I'm part of the earth. You know, the earth and I are one. No, you're not. But he identifies himself with the earth. You know, we have an identity crisis in our nation today. But what's even sadder than that is that Christians have an identity crisis in their lives today. Followers of Jesus Christ have forgotten who they've been called to be. I mean, we identify with many things. I mean, we, but we get confused, don't we? We get distracted. We get caught up in the business of life. We get wrapped up in being a sports coach or, or being a sports fan. Today, tens of thousands of people will rush into a stadium and paint their faces and hoop and holler and, and go crazy. And that's their commitment is everything and all the stats about their favorite sports team. We identify ourselves as, as an employee. We work at a certain place, and that's our identity. Or, or we sell a certain product, and that's who we are. We identify ourselves as, as someone who is, who's, you know, seeks to be that perfect parent, which, by the way, you can't be that perfect parent. Or someone who says, you know what, I'm just a taxi driver. I drive my kids from this event to that event, from this sporting you know, field to that sporting field. And we get caught up in those things, and, that, and those things aren't necessarily bad. But what the problem is, that's not the most important thing in our life to be identified as, as a follower of Jesus Christ. If we're not careful, we become those things. I am just a sports fan. I am just a taxi driver. I am just an employee. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, a child of God, you are so much more. 
And we've got to remember who we are in Christ. The problem is, is that we have Christians who don't look and behave like Christians anymore. So I've got a question for you today. And you see it's the title of my message, Who Are You Right Now? Not who you were a year ago. Not who you think you should be, who you know you should be. But who are you right now, this day, sitting where you are, honestly between you and God, who are you as a follower of Jesus Christ? And so we're going to look into 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and discover us and help us kind of remember who we are supposed to be as followers of Jesus Christ. So if you're physically able, would you stand with me in honor of reading God's holy word? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning there in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and was committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Father, we thank you once again for your word. Because without your word, life would be solely, totally different. We know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Your word has changed our lives drastically. And I pray that your word does that once again this morning. It's so easy to get busy in life. It's so easy to get distracted in life with things that not say aren't sinful or bad, but just good things. But we lose our main identity as a follower of Jesus Christ, who you want us to be. So, Father, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, you speak to our hearts and remind us who you've created us, who you have saved us to be, to live for you. Remind us this morning. And, Father, I pray we do something with that. Not to say, yeah, Dave's right. That's what the Bible says. Well, we honestly examine our life and see, are we living that out today? And, Father, if we're not, may we repent and get right with you this morning. And, Father, if we are, May we just continue to draw closer to you to, to live it out even better. And Father, maybe someone is here that can't live it out because they don't know Jesus as the Lord and Savior. So I pray this morning they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. Empower me. Preach through me, I ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to share with you three truths that remind us of who we're supposed to be as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the first one is this. You are a new creation. Don't forget that. If you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are a new creation. Look what it says there in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, there's an old saying that says, come as you are. And that's a true true statement. God wants you to come as you are. So many people think, well, if I come to God, I've got to clean myself up. Friend, you can't clean yourself up good enough to come to God. Only God can clean you up. Jesus says, come as you are. But don't just stop right there. He says, don't stay there. As a new creation, he expects us to grow. As a new creation, he expects us to mature and to grow and to become more Christ-like. I mean, God desires, it tells us in Romans 8, 29, that God desires for us to be conformed to the image of his son. He wants us every day to look more like Christ than we did the day before. When you leave this place this morning, you're supposed to be more like Jesus than when you walked in. 
The question is, what are you going to do with God's word? What are you going to do with what the Holy Spirit is saying to your life? We're supposed to live in a way that is pleasing to God, that honors God in all that we do and all that we say. But notice that this transformation takes place after repentance. You don't become that new creation until you trust Jesus Christ to your Lord and Savior. He comes into your life and then you become that new creature, that new creation. It's not because of what you've done, but it's because of what Christ has done in your life. We're we're told that that Christ has, has bought us. We're bought at a price is what the Bible tells us. We don't belong to ourselves anymore. We belong to Almighty God. Jesus Christ is the one who brings the transformation into our lives. We don't bring it ourselves. We cannot bring it ourselves. When I become a follower of Jesus Christ, I am transformed. I I am transformed from the old to the new. No longer wanting to live for myself. No longer wanting to fulfill the desires of my flesh. But wanting to live for Almighty God. Wanting to live for Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't make us perfect Christians. Because there is no perfect Christian. There's only one who was ever perfect that walked on the face of this earth. And it's not you and me. It's Jesus Christ. If I just bursted your bubble, it needed to be burst this morning. None of us are perfect. You know, uh, I never met anybody that said that, but I've heard Christians tell me that, that years ago there's people at Red Mountain that would say, you know what, I don't sin anymore. <laughs> you just did because you lied. <laughs> we still sin. None of us are perfect. But God is transforming us. God is changing us. God is conforming us to the image of his son, and it's a process. And that's what we're talking about here. He, he makes us into this new creation. And it's not just poof, all of a sudden you're made perfect, but it's a process. He's making us more Christ-like. You know, when when it's our time to face God, the the awesome thing about this is that he won't look at our lives and see our sinfulness. But because of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives, he will look at our lives and see the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that he is wrapped around us. Verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Get the picture there. Jesus Christ, God's perfect son who died on the cross for you and for me who never knew sin while he walked on this earth who never knew sin in all eternity past took on your sin and took on my sin there on Calvary's cross he who knew no sin became sin for me for you and what did he do he took my wretchedness he took my sinfulness and he gave me his righteousness that's how much God loves you and that's what we're talking about here. That's that being that new creation as he's totally transformed who we are. I mean, stop and think about what God has brought you out of, that old way of life. Think about how he has saved you, what he has saved you from. Listen, listen to what the, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. He says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, now don't miss verse 11. And such were some of you. But, aren't you thankful for the buts in the Bible? But you were washed. But. You were sanctified, but you were justified in the name. Y'all just sing about the name, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. Paul is saying, this is what God has saved you from. Isn't God good to save us from that? He has brought you out. He says, this is what you used to be. The problem is we go back to that from time to time, don't we? And God says, you're a new creation. You don't have to go back to that. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, For you were bought at a price. 
Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When Jesus Christ bought you, when you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you no longer have the deed to your life. God now has the deed to your life. You belong to him. That makes you a child of God. People say, oh, no, we're all children of God. No, we're not. That's a deception straight from Satan. We're all creations of God. But to become a child of God, you've got to confess your sins and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And make him the Savior and Lord of your life. That's the only way to become a child of God. That you give him the deed of your life, if you want to think about it in that terminology. Well, you don't belong to yourself anymore. And he's saying, act like that new creation. He says, glorify God in your body. Glorify God in your spirit. And he reminds us one more time, in case you didn't catch it the first time, which are God's. We belong to God. And he says, I want you to behave like the new creation I have made you to be. As a new creation, these old things have passed away. Isn't it great? We don't have to sin anymore. You know, before sin, I mean, before salvation, we were chained to sin. We were a slave to sin. But when we trusted Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, when we became that new creation, those chains have been broken. We just sang about it. He's a chain breaker. I love that song. And so many of us could testify, couldn't we? The chains he's broken in our life. We heard some wonderful testimonies this weekend for the men in, in Kissville Baptist Church. We had, we had some great men get up and give wonderful testimonies. And I, I was telling Brother Kelly this morning, it was amazing to me how they didn't know what I was going to preach on. I, I didn't know what they were going to talk about. I just called Brother Ken on Tuesday, and, and Brother Ken set up these testimonies. And, and all of a sudden, each testimony went with each message. Each testimony went with each message in each session. That's the work of God. Amen. But some of them shared how God broke chains in their life. Amen. Broke the chains of sin. Listen to what Paul says in Romans 6, verses 5 through 7. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who died has been freed from sin. There's the picture of a chain breaker right there. We just sang it. God is our chain breaker. He's broken the chains of sin in our life. You do not have to sin anymore because the chains of sin have been broken. I heard about a man who was living in, living in a foreign country, raised in a foreign country, and, and he immigrated to the United States, became a citizen of the United States. But where he was raised and where he grew up in that foreign country was a very strict country. As a matter of fact, they couldn't go out in, the, in nighttime. They had a curfew, and that curfew was uh, enforced by the military. And if you were caught out after curfew, you were in big trouble. So it was instilled in his mind from a young age that you better be inside before curfew. And so when he came to the United States and he became a, a citizen, he was excited to be in the United States. And, and uh, he began doing what we do sometimes. We go to a different place. We'd be, he became a tourist. He started looking around, going to different cities and going and checking out things. And one time he was, he was in a city and he was checking out the sites and the sun began going down. He lost track of time and he looked at his watch. He realized what time it was and he said, oh, I've got to get in before curfew. And so he found a taxi. He said, quickly, can you take me to my home? I've got to get back home before curfew. If, not, if I'm not in before curfew, I'm going to get, a whole, get in a whole lot of trouble. And the taxi driver just kind of looked at him like, what in the world is this guy talking about? And then he realized that this guy was a foreign, from a foreign land. You know, he, he was from a foreign country. And, and, he, and he realized that he couldn't understand the concept. Now he's in a different country. That old law didn't apply. You see, the country that he was from no longer had jurisdiction where he now was. That's how it is in our life. We used to be in a foreign country, if you will, think about it. We were in a far country, if you want to use the terminology of the prodigal son. 
That, that's a wonderful story. And God saved us and pulled us out of that far country and put us in his country as a new creation. The old way doesn't apply to the new way. But the problem is, sometimes we still think we're underneath the old rule. That we still think that we're chained to sin. Too many Christians act like they don't have a choice when it comes to sin. Too many Christians act like, I, I can't help but give in. Or we blame somebody else. Like we're Flip Wilson. The devil made me do it. You know? You know, we talked about this in the men's conference. No more excuses. There's so many people and so many things we could blame for not being who God wants us to be. You know, a big one today is, well, it's mom and dad's fault. They, they raised me this way. I, I'm, I am who I am today because, you know, it's not because of the bad choices I made. It's not because of the drugs I was on. It's not because of the crime I committed. But dad made me do it. Mom made me do it. Yes, we have influence on our kids' lives. But ultimately, the choice comes down to us. We need to realize the chains have been broken in our life. Act like, live like that new creation. Far too many Christians are in chains because they have spent so much time in the old country. They have not adapted to being a new creation in Christ and being freed from sin. I'm thankful for the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. But we've got to live like it. You know, we see God's love and mercy as we're able to walk in forgiveness of sin. And it's all because of the work of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. When God forgave us our sins, he blots them out from his memory. Isn't that great? You know, we don't do that. We, we, we hold on to things. I love that. I think it's an insurance commercial. It's a husband and wife talking about when, if you're in an accident, the insurance forgets. He says, see, honey, they forget. You seen that commercial? That's how we are. We don't forget. But you know what? When we confess our sins and ask forgiveness and repent of our sin, God blots it out. God doesn't bring it back up and say, you know, sometimes we do this. We say, well, you remember what happened a year ago when you said this and did this? We, you know, we have our ammunition off the side. God doesn't do that. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 43, 25. This is God talking. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own, for my own sake. And I, look what it says, I will not remember your sins. As a new creation, your sins are blotted out. Don't you fall for that lie of Satan and be guilty into living in like you're not forgiven. If you've confessed your sins and asked forgiveness of your sins, you repent of your sins, God has forgiven you. Amen. He has blotted them out and he will not remember them. It is time that we stand back up and live like a new creation. That's who you are. But there's a second truth I want to share with you. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. As a new creation in Christ... As a follower of Jesus Christ, he has given you the ministry of reconciliation. Look what he says there in verses 18 and 19. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I heard about two brothers that were farmers. You know, down where we live, there's a lot of farmers. We live out in the country in a beautiful, beautiful area. But these were two brothers who were farmers, and they had farms that just came right up to each other. They joined to each other, and they got along great. I mean, they, 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 did, they farmed together. They shared equipment. They worked together. Until one time, they had a knockdown, drag-out fight argument, and they got just entirely mad with each other and wanted to do nothing with each other anymore. And so they quit talking. They quit working together. They quit farming together, and they were done being with each other. They didn't want to have any contact with each other. And then one day, one of the brothers, his name was John, heard a knock at his door. 
And he answered, and there was this carpenter at the door. And the carpenter was looking for work. He said, I'm looking for work. Is there anything I can do on your farm to, to earn some money and get some work? He said, as a matter of fact, come with me. And they got in his little mule, and they rode on down to the property line where his brother's farm uh, butted up to his farm. And he said, look what my brother did. Here, this used to be a meadow, and my brother came in here with a bulldozer, and he made a creek to separate our farms. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build me a huge fence. I don't want to see my brother. I don't want to see his property ever again. And the carpenter says, let me see what I can do. John went on his way, left the carpenter there. Took the carpenter several days to do what he set out to do. The carpenter came back to John's door, knocked the door. He said, I'm I'm done. They got on the mule. They headed back down. And John was a little little disappointed when he got there. He didn't see the huge fence. But he saw a bridge that went from his property over to his brother's property across the creek. At that time, his brother came out. He saw that bridge that John had built. He thought, and he said, isn't that something? Here my brother's reaching out to me, and, and he wants to make things right. And there they were on the opposite sides of the bridge and come together in the middle of that bridge, and reconciliation took place. They came back together. They saw that carpenter packing his tools up, getting ready to go, and they said, won't you stay? we got more work for you to do. He says, I can't stay. He says, I, 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 have, to, I have to go and, and build more bridges. More bridges need to be built. Building bridges is a ministry of reconciliation. That's what God has called us to do. God has built a bridge from him to us, and that bridge is Jesus. And he has given us that ministry to take to this world. Sin is the cause of the need for reconciliation. You realize that, don't you? The whole reason why we need Jesus to come and to die on the cross for our sins because of what we've done. Our sin is separated from God. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Listen to this. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. So that he will not hear. Excuse me. Did you get that? It's not God's fault we're separated. It's our iniquities that have separated us from God. Well, that's what the Old Testament says. Well, okay. Let's see what the New Testament says. You should know this one by heart, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It didn't say just this group of people, that group of people, people from this country, people of that color, this, people of this economic status. What's it say? All. I believe that covers it. That's all of us. All of us have sinned. It's because of sin that we need reconciliation. And it's through the ministry of reconciliation that God designed a way for sin to be taken care of, for sin to be, to be pardoned, for us to have a personal relationship with him. Man's sin caused a separation between us and God. But God is the one who made reconciliation possible. Sinful man doesn't seek after God. you realize that? God seeks after you. God draws you to himself. Isaiah 64, 6 and 7 say this, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. And listen to verse 7. And there is no one who calls in your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you. Well, one day I'm just going to stir myself up and I'm going to seek it after God. You can't do it. God draws you to himself. It says there, no one goes seeking after God. No one stirs himself up. No one calls on his name by themselves. God does it. A sinful man seeking a holy God is like a criminal seeking out a policeman. Doesn't happen, does it? 
But God is so gracious. God is so loving that he draws us to himself. And here in verse 18, the passage we're looking at, Paul declares that the ministry of reconciliation has been given to us. Paul experienced this, didn't he? There on the road to Damascus. And the reconciliation that I speak of is a product of God's grace. And many of us have experienced that ministry of reconciliation. Without reconciliation, we would still be lost in our sins. We'd still be dying and headed to hell. I got plenty of time. Oh, really? You don't know when your time's going to run out. I, I can tell you instance after instance of years of ministry. But let me tell you about two here recently. When Hurricane Florence was, was hitting us, it didn't hit us that bad. Just a little bit of localized flooding, a few trees down, nothing major. But that Friday when it was hitting us, the kids were already out of school. Laura was out of school. I was going to sleep in. I never get a chance to sleep in. And usually when I can, I can't. I just wake up. I was sleeping. It was about 6 o'clock, which is sleeping in for me. Phone rang at my house. Woke Laura up, woke me up. On the other line was a lady's voice. And I'll be honest, I didn't recognize it at first because I was still half asleep. She said this. She said, Dave, we found Brandon dead. A 37-year-old man that lived in Jackson, North Carolina, had come up to stay with his parents to avoid the storm, had died in the guest bed that morning. Thankfully, Brandon was a believer. No doubt. Because I had many conversations with Brandon over the years. Don't tell me you've got all the time in the world when a 37-year-old that was fine the night before and his father walks in to find him dead the next morning. And just here, here recently, in the past couple weeks, one Saturday night I got a phone call. Tiny's been in a terrible accident. Tiny is an elderly man in his late 70s. He's been in a terrible accident. already had some health problems. They've life-flighted him to Duke. Look, when you're life-flighted, that's not a good thing. Went on down to the hospital. Long story short, he was riding with somebody. We went off the road. Branch came through the window, hit him in the head. All sorts of injuries, terrible injuries. Tiny never woke up. Saturday night, they turned the machine off on Monday. Tiny went home to heaven. He didn't know when he got in that vehicle that he was going to be in a terrible accident and go home to heaven. Don't tell me you've got all the time in the world to make this decision about reconciliation. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to manipulate you. I'm being real with you. God is a giver of life and death. I told that family there, the doctor said, you've got to make a decision about the machine. I told him, I said, the decision's already been made. God's bringing him home. All you're doing is this turn off machine that's keeping this tent alive. God knows how many days we each have. You don't know. And you have to realize that this is what God has called us to, to be reconciled to God. I mean, we saw this in verse 17. This is what God desires. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have come new. This is what God desires in your life. This is what God desires for everyone. Have you ever been changed by the ministry of reconciliation? Have you ever come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Well, I've walked an aisle. That's not what I asked. I was baptized. You know, oftentimes when you've asked someone if they know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, what they do, they tell you, well, I was baptized on such and such a date. That's not what I asked. Baptism doesn't save you. Walking an aisle doesn't save you. Perfect attendance in Sunday school doesn't save you. You can't be good enough. Only coming to Jesus Christ and confessing your sins and placing your trust in Him will save you. That's when reconciliation takes place. But understand this, before the world was ever formed, God loved you so much. The book of Revelation tells us that, that Jesus Christ is a Lamb of God. 
that he was going to send to us before the world was ever formed. Before he ever created anything, this was God's plan to send Jesus for us. To do the work of reconciliation. He is the source of reconciliation. Look what it says in verse 19. That is that God was in Christ. God is the one source of reconciliation. We can't bring it about. We can't give it. We can tell others about it. But God is the one who does it. Romans 5, 8, verses 8 through 10 say this. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. Now, we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Did you catch that? God demonstrated. God proved his love for us by sending Jesus to die for us so he could reconcile us to himself. In order for us to be reconciled, there's a price that we could not pay. That's why Jesus came. He came to give his life as a ransom. You can't get to the Father. I'm good enough. No, you're not. And don't you believe the lie of all these false teachers that you're good enough. There's a lot of false teachers out in the world, and they've got a lot of people following them. But they're preaching heresy. And they're sending people to hell by preaching the heresy. You can't be good enough. There's only one way. His name is Jesus. But notice how far this reconciliation reaches. Look at verse 19 as it continues on. That God was in Christ reconciling Kinsville Baptist Church to himself. Is that what it says? The world. This reconciliation is meant to reach the entire world. Does that mean the whole world is going to be saved? Sadly, no. Because people still choose to reject Jesus Christ. But God's desire is for everyone to be saved. And the sacrifice of Jesus Christ is powerful enough to cover the sins of all of mankind. And look how verse 19 continues. Not imputing their trespasses to them. For those who have surrendered to Jesus Christ, the price has been paid. The consequences for their sins has been dealt with. They've been covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. Is what the Bible tells us. And it's through God's amazing grace and through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that he will not hold our sins against us. Isn't that great what God's done for us? This is what the ministry of reconciliation is all about. This is exciting news. I don't know about you, but when I have exciting news, don't you want to tell somebody? I, something exciting happens, the first person I want to tell is I want to tell Laura about it. It's exciting. I want to tell other people. A lot of people go tell us some exciting news today. That their football team won. Woohoo! <laughs> you know what's real exciting? When someone gives their life to Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the most exciting thing in the entire world. Doesn't even compare to a football game. Doesn't matter if you're watching the Redskins or whoever you're watching, the Panthers or whoever. That doesn't matter. What matters is someone's brought from darkness into light. That's what God does. That's the ministry of reconciliation. And it says that he's given us this ministry. But you know what the sad reality is? Now, this statistic's a few years old. I couldn't remember the exact statistic, but it's somewhere around 90%. A survey came out that said that 90% of Southern Baptists, not Christians, 90%, about 90% of Southern Baptists have never given a verbal witness of their faith. Isn't that sad? That's very sad. We've got a lot of work to do, but too many people are keeping their mouth shut. He's given us this ministry of reconciliation so lives can be changed for all eternity. This is who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a new creation. 
You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. But finally, let me share with you the third thing. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20 and 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Get the picture here. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Think about what an ambassador does. An ambassador for the United States, they go to a foreign land, they set up shop there, if you will, and they represent the interests of the United States in that foreign land. They're not part of that foreign land. They're not citizens of that foreign land, but they are there to represent the interests of the United States. We are ambassadors for Christ. This literally means that we are representatives of Jesus Christ here in this foreign land. This is what God has called us to do. We're we're to represent him. This is not our home. We are his representatives in a strange land. Now, Now, notice the wording here in verse 20. He says, as though God were pleading through us. God wants to speak to the world through us. But look at his passion here. He's not just saying, have a nice, sweet conversation. Let's just sit down and have some sweet tea and have some warm thoughts. No. Pleading through us is the terminology here. God wants us to be pleading with the world to be saved. It's that urgent. It's that serious. He says we're to be pleading to be reconciled to God. This goes back to the ministry of reconciliation that he's been given us. As ambassadors, our job is to plead with this world to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because God wants everyone to be saved. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Did you hear what it said? God desires for no one to perish. God desires for everyone to come to repentance. That's God's heart. And that should be our heart too. Well, I don't get along with that person. Great, even more of a reason to go talk to him about Jesus. They're not the right political party. They're not the right skin color. They're not right from the right side of the tracks. They're not, they're, look, no excuses, right men? God has called us to be his ambassadors to take the message of hope to a lost and dying world. But about 90% of us are keeping our mouth shut. You say, well, what am I supposed to share with them? He tells us right there in verse 21. Look what he says again. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's the gospel message. Is that plain and simple? That's what his ambassadors were called to do, to share with the world. This represents the number one interest of God in the world. Now get this picture in your mind. I want you to picture yourself personally. I can't sit there and do this for everybody, but let me just throw some generalities out there. You're not just a teacher. If you're a teacher, you're an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You're not just a father. If you're a father here this morning, you're you're an ambassador for Almighty God. You're not just a student. You're an ambassador for the King of Kings. You're not just a nurse. You're an ambassador for the Lord of Lords. You're not just a sailor. You're an ambassador for our great Redeemer. You're not just a delivery driver. 
You're an ambassador for the Savior of the world. You're not just a mother. You're an ambassador for the one true God. And I can go on and on and on. You get the picture here? You're not just who you think you are. You are an ambassador for Jesus Christ with a message of reconciliation to a world that needs to hear it. That's who you are. Don't forget it. But let me ask you this. How are you representing Jesus in your world today? How are you uh, as an ambassador? Are you a a true ambassador? Are you a, a fitting ambassador? You know, there are many underneath the banner, they call themselves Christians. Many people call themselves Christians. I mean, surveys say the majority of Americans are Christians. If that was the case, we'd be living in a different culture. There's many underneath the banner of Christians that do more damage for the cause of Christ than they do for good. But we are examples of a life that has been reconciled to the Father. When people watch our lives, they should want to have what we have. We sang about it, didn't we? Gerald taught us a new song. I love that song. Different. Are you different in your world in which you live? Are you different than other people? Not in a snobby way, not in a holier-than-thou way, but in a way that people look at your life and they see Jesus Christ. And they want what you have. That's what it means to be different as a follower of Jesus Christ. We've been blessed with the grace of God. We've been saved from our sins. We've been given the gift of everlasting life. And it's all because of the ministry of reconciliation that our sins, that our trespasses are not imputed to us, it says there. And the opportunity is available for all who surrender Jesus Christ. It's, it's available for every single person on the face of this earth. Our motivation must be to point the loss to his saving grace. We must be motivated to do that. This is what God has called us to do. Look, I, I know the heart of Brother Kelly. You say, you've been gone, you know, we've been out of this area for 20 years. You say, how could you know the heart of Brother Kelly? Like you said, I, I feel like one of his own. I grew up in his house. We've stayed in contact over the years. I've been back several times. He's been to Red Mountain several times. His heart is Jesus. And I know the heart of Kinsville Baptist Church. The heart of Kinsville Baptist Church is Jesus. But the question is, are we sharing Jesus with this world around us? We can't reconcile people to God, but we can point them to the one who can. And his name is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No other way can anyone get to the Father. But let me ask you this. We talked about it earlier, but let me just ask you. Don't answer out loud. You just answer God. Have you personally been reconciled? I'm not talking about baptism. I'm not talking about walking out. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about have you come to a point in your life where you realize that you're a sinner and one day you are going to die and go to hell and spend an eternity in a place of torment. Don't you believe the lie of this world that the hell is a place part of? Hey, we're going to have a good time in hell. No, you're not. Hell is a place of eternal torment where there is no God. And that's where you're headed if you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. But if you confess your sins so you don't go there and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son who came to Calvary's cross to die on it, take on that punishment so you wouldn't have to, was born and rose again the third day, proving He's the Son of God and He can do what He said He was going to do. Have you given your life to Him and let Him forgive your sins and let Him cleanse you of your sins? That's what reconciliation is. But you cannot go out there and do the ministry of reconciliation until you take step one and be reconciled yourself. 
So why not this morning? When we stand to sing just a moment, why not come that aisle, take Brother Kelly by the hand and say, I need to be reconciled with God this morning. And he'd be glad to talk with you and pray with you. I know he will be. Christian, what about you? You've done that. But who are you today? Who are you today? Are you living as a new creation? Are you sharing that ministry of reconciliation? Are you representing God in this foreign land? We can all get better at it, can't we? Maybe today, just gather around the altar, and, and God has laid someone in your heart that needs to be reconciled to God. Why not just lift them up to God and just beg God for their salvation? God, draw them to you. Holy Spirit, prepare their hearts and prepare mine to go with them with the gospel and share it with them. And they will be saved and come and be reconciled. Don't leave this place the way you came in. Leave being obedient to God and more like Jesus Christ because you've encountered his word this morning. Apply it to your life.